Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's episode 8 of Cage Rage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and it's only bloody episode 8 of Cage Rage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. And I did the intro right this time. I literally had to click a button. I'm a recording thing and I can record off the laptop. That's good, isn't it? Figured that out. I can, I can do all sorts of stuff now. I can record uh, farts. Farts was the first thing that my head went to. I'm 28 years old. Unbelievable. But I've done that. I think it sounds good. I hope it didn't uh, tear out your ears too much and go too loud. Or if it did, it's just all part of the madness of Nicolas Cage, and that's what we're here for, that's what we're doing. Um, so how you been? How's your week been? Has it been alright? Has it been good? Did you follow your dreams? Did you achieve all your dreams? Or have you been sat at home eating pot noodles like me? I've been back at work this week. Uh, got rid of me, and then brought it back, and then people keep calling up and they're like where's my stuff and i'm like it's a pandemic literally a pandemic and they're like yeah i know but what about my stuff and i say perspective and they say lol no so that's how that's been going uh also spoke to an awful woman called claire um which may or may not be her real name i won't tell a gentleman never tells who um the most condescending bitch I've ever spoken to in my life. She was spelling out some letters, right? Now, I thought she was saying N. You know, N for November. I asked her if she said N for November, and she said yes. And when I couldn't find her company name, she said, No, it's M for mouse. And I'm not exaggerating this. She literally lectured me for five human earth minutes, 300 seconds, on the difference between M and N. And I've rarely been as angry as I was. So customers just have some fucking perspective to the people working at customer service. They're doing the best. They're also trying not to die. Did you think about that? Did you think about how people are trying not to die? Just so you can have your little fucking shit? Huh? Speaking of shit, right? He's been at it again, hasn't he? You know who I'm talking about. The iMan, the iPlayer, the iPod, the iTip McGee, the Wank Pheasant. Ian's been at it again. He won't stop, right? He will not stop. Just digging his tiny little garden around, hammering things that don't need to be hammered, 
he's shaved his hair off. He didn't have that much hair to begin with and he shaved it off. And he won't wear shoes, right? He won't wear shoes and when he's climbing up ladders to, to paint and varnish his shed again... I don't know how much varnish a shed needs, but it's not as much as he's using. He's climbing up the ladder, and then his his fifty year old feet are just bending round the rungs, bending round the rungs like fleshy white croissants. And now his face is all burnt up. It's all red. He looks like a sad little cherry. And yet he keeps sitting out in the sun. You're clearly in pain. You're clearly in pain, man. Stop it. For the love of God. You know what I mean. We've all got we've all got the Ians. We've all got the Ians. But what has been the highlight of my week, and I'll tell you this for free, is watching a lovely little film by those two lovely young men, the Cohen brothers, their second film, Raising Arizona. Which uh great film um just madcap film funny film uh crime comedy about a young couple nicholas cage and holly hunter who play high and ed respectively who meet in the prisons and they conspire to steal one of those tiny children's you know the babies uh, so this film, we've, we're seeing Nicolas Cage go from the weird forced role of being a strange hunk, and now he's coming. This is sort of the the, uh, the dawning of the madman that we know and love. Um, this is the dawning of the madman that we love, right? And I can't stress that enough. This is uh, Nicolas Cage, the dawn of the cage. We got the screams here. We've got some of the insanity. We're going to know later on, uh, but he's he's flanked by some equally mad performances, so you kind of don't notice it that much in the grand scheme of things. But I noticed. I bloody noticed. It didn't get past me. It didn't bloody get past me. So as I said, uh, really great film. Thoroughly recommend that you check it out. If you haven't already, uh, for me, probably one of the, the, the better, probably top 10 independent films of the 1980s. Uh, bloody 20th Century Fox got in on this one, the big fucking wigs. They knew a star-making film when they saw it. They saw The Power of Cage. His moustache was looking sweet. Did you see the thumbnail that I made for this? It's the best I've ever done. I've got a moustache in it. Nicolas Cage has got a moustache in it. I don't know how I made all the tones look so good. I kind of zoned out. And when I, when I opened my eyes, I did it. Um, I definitely didn't do it in work time, if that's what you're asking. I, uh, I will not comment on that at all. So the film itself was made for around $5 million. The script took about three and a half months to write. And it said that for the budget, for the small budget that they had, the Coens meticulously planned every last detail showing up to the set with scripts completed, storyboards galore. They knew what they were doing. They knew they had Nick Cage on their hands, and they wanted to uh, you know, rinse out every last bit of star power from that girthy hog that they possibly could. The film was released on Friday the 13th, 1987. 
It's a spooky day if you're a cuck, like Ian. But not if you're Nicolas Cage. More like Cage Day the Cage Teenth. 19 Cage T Sev Cage. Cage. Now, it's also said that the relationship between Cage and the Coens was a little bit turbulent, although respectful, not quite to the levels of Peggy Sue got married last week. Uh, no reports of Cage getting drunk and stealing dogs and just pissing people off. It seems like he uh, was a little bit more controlled. They got that hurricane down to a, a mighty breeze, a thorough blowing of the breaths. However, Cage would be known to offer suggestions to the brothers which would ultimately be ignored. So, hmm. Cage said that Joel and Ethan have a very strong vision, and I've learned how difficult it is to accept another artist's vision. They have an autocratic nature. You see that? You see, even in one of the 80s best independent films, Cage is still growing. He's still proving to the world that he isn't afraid of HR, just like me. Because you can only fire people so many times. Right? I'm not scared anymore. I'll tell a customer to fuck off. I'll do it. You watch me fucking do it. Claire? However, I can't help but think that maybe if the Coens had listened, they'd have been um, significantly more raw-dogging in this flick. Uh, I mean, the only the only note from me, I know, you know, we're looking for uh, over 30 years, 35 years since this film has been out thereabouts. Um, if you're going to utilise Cage, then get some raw dogs in there. You know, now I'm not saying that there isn't any, there is some that is implied, so as far as I'm concerned, an implied raw dog is good as the real thing. So it's it's eight straight weeks of raw dogging for this guy, if you know what I'm saying, and I think you do. I will say as well, Nicolas Cage, his hair is looking good, his moustache is on point, Hawaiian shirt game. The Hawaiian shirt game, don't even get me started. Now, if you know me, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that your boy loves a Hawaiian shirt. Pop down to Primark when they've got all the Hawaiian shirts on sale. I'll buy them unironically. I'll wear them casually in November. You don't, have to, you don't just have to buy Hawaiian shirts to a lad's shindig. A lad's drinkaroo, an old gathering of the boys. Sometimes you can just be at home, crack a sticky rib pot noodle on, whack on a lovely Hawaiian shirt. And it's like what they do in Hawaii when they eat noodles and do a, a luau. I've never been to Hawaii, so I, I don't know if any of what I've just said is in any way accurate. Um, so... Answers on a postcard on that one. Now, getting into the film, I think this is a a new Cage Rage record here for earliest confirmed Cage sighting. It, it's basically straight away. Blink, open eye, Cage on screen. This is what you come for. This is what you want to see. You see Nicolas Cage on the credits, and I want to see him straight away. I don't want to build up to Cage. I don't want no weird little boohoo foreplay. We'll go, just like the man himself, we're going in raw, and that is what I look for, and that's what I expect. So Cage is playing H.I. McDonough, you can call him Hi, and he meets Ed Weiner, we can call her Ed. 
uh, well, I find that as well, uh, Edwina, good old Abalade Edwina, Holly Hunter, was also the voice of Elastigirl in The Incredibles. So, there's a thing. You know what I mean? You go from acting in some great bloody indie films in the 80s, and next thing you know, Disney are knocking at your door, and they just want to know all about you. Okay? Just piggyback on Nicolas Cage while you can, and you're going to fucking go places. Also, not just a sick moustache from Cage, fantastic sideburns, some absolute chops. I'm talking thick porkers, the wild man hair, um, and when you've got that all combined with the Hawaiian shirts, that is my that is my dream look. The world needs to step up. More people should be wearing Hawaiian shirts, unironically, and not feeling the pressure of their neighbour. I'll wear a Hawaiian shirt in front of Ian. And I'll stare him in the eye as I do it. With his little croissant legs. So high is in and out of prison. Pretty much on a revolving door policy. He gets to talk into Ed a little bit more. A little bit more. Learn some things about her. Ed's fiance has left her. Now this is because he's a bad person. And Ed deserves the best. And the best is Nicolas Cage. Now you might say, well, he's, if he's in and out of prison, is he really the best? But this is because he's constantly learning. And he's constantly trying to better himself. What are you doing with your life? Are you not in prison? That's because you're not learning. You're not doing it right, okay? He bunks with the prisoner. Uh, he says something about eating crawdad and sand. Um, you know, it, different strokes for different folks. It's not easy, the whole life thing. If you want to eat some sand, it's going to be a bit dry. Um, but, you know. I've reheated chicken in a microwave before, and I've been fine, so uh, you do you. do you. Now, when Cage is let out, he proposes to Ed as a free man, and you better believe that they hitch. When Cage comes a-knocking, you know that hog be rocking. Now that his lawless days are behind him, they regularly draw dog to try and start a family try and conceive, get some little mini-cages up in there. However, as High says himself, biology has conspired against them, which lets you know that there is no god who would rob us of Cage's kin, of Cage's younglings, um, and they're, they're not able to conceive. Uh, they can't adopt either. Can't adopt either because of High's uh, previous burglarying. But, you know, We've all made mistakes. We've all we've all all been there. Um, I've made the mistake of leaving my house when Ian was out and got stuck in a small talk conversation that uh, that lasted five minutes. Uh, and in those five minutes, I had three panic attacks. So, you know, you live and learn. You live and learn. So grief stricken that they can't conceive. Um, and Holly Hunter's Ed is a very sort of a, a maternity obsessed, uh, grieving. Uh, mother-to-be, Nicholas Cage, the gentle ex-con. They learn about the Arizona quints. These are quints, that's a good word, isn't it? Not self. Quints. Quints. Uh, five baby boys. Little blonde, blue-eyed baby boys that are the offspring of local furniture magnate Nathan Arizona. And they decide 
as you all would in that situation, you've got five boys. You're not going to miss one of those boys. And they set out to steal one of those boys. So of all the boys, naturally, Harry, Barry, Larry, Gary, and Nathan Jr. So what you do when you can't have children, the rules won't help you out, you steal a boy. Which is um, largely the same as how I ended up getting my cat. How he breaks into the house, he nurses the babies like he's shopping for carpet samples. I mean, how do you shop for a baby? Um, do, you have to, do you have to wiggle it and hold it like you do in The Sims and just keep playing with it until uh, child services take it away? True story that happened to me in The Sims once. Um, and then my adult died of sadness and got taken away by the Grim Reaper and I've never played The Sims since. Um, I mean, they're very, they're very organised, these babies. Five babies, that's too many babies. That's too many babies. I have no idea how they're all organised. Uh, you would swear that they joined a union for babies. Unite the babies. Ed doesn't want High returning without a baby, so he goes back. He nabs Nathan Jr., the, and I quote, the best one of the babies. So they get home with a baby that they didn't pay a penny for. That's a baby bargain. That's Amazon Prime levels of efficiency, that is. That's next day delivery. That's same day delivery. It's mad that that happens. People die in Amazon, but you can get something on the same day, so swings and roundabouts. Um, Cage, he's setting the house up. He's getting all tidy. He hides a Playboy. Though he does take one last peek at some smut because he's only human and he deeply respects printed media even though it's a dying medium. Now, two of Cage's good buddies from the inside, Gale and Evel, played by uh, John Goodman, sorry, the bloody Sully from Monsters, Inc., and um, someone who was not Sully in Monsters, Inc., they escape from prison, being birthed in mud, in what is probably some kind of symbolic gesture, but whatever, it's, it's John Goodman. Ladies and gentlemen, John Goodman. Give it up for John Goodman. Here he is, John Goodman. Everybody, make some noise for John Goodman. Welcome to the stage, John Goodman. John Goodman, everybody. John Goodman, everybody, come on down. So Gail and Evel make a stop at highs, even though it's 2am, but because Nick Cage is such a good host, 24-7, he lets him in. Now they have to lie about where they got Junior. Uh, just say, hey, we just we did some did some hogging, did some raw dogging, you know, just how it goes. Uh, but they they ridicule High for going straight for going on the straight and narrow and uh, being being a good dude. Just just laugh, you know, just lad banter, isn't it? Just some lad banter. My friends often laugh at me for being poor, just because just because we get on so well and have such a good relationship and I value their insights so much. Uh, that same night, High has a very strange vision of a dirty biker uh, who looks quite like Mel Gibson's Mad Max but more feral and possibly less racist riding his metallic motor hog and throwing grenades at rabbits. Um, so wash it down, eat your heart out, everyone needs a hobby. The police and the FBI are investigating at Nathan Arizona's place. Uh, no leads on the missing child. Definitely probably shouldn't team up with our missing children's task force because historically speaking, the UK doesn't have a great track record. Um, don't at me on that. Um, don't at me on that. I've 
I've seen the news. Now, Ed's had a bit much of Gail level. She suggests that... Um, Gail suggests that Junior will hate Ed if she doesn't breastfeed him. There may be psychological ramifications for that. I, I don't know. Um, I took psychology for a year when I was in year 12 doing my A-levels, but totally, totally flunked it. There's too, too many names to learn. Too many names to learn. All these et al's, all these names and extras. You know, if if you watch a film and you get to the credits and you see all the list of all the people who were extras in the background, you're not going to learn their names. You just know, like, Nick Cage was in it. That's all I need to know. That's what my brain's retaining. Bullshit. When I told my teacher um, that I was leaving psychology, I was dropping it, didn't want to take it anymore, he just, he literally, he waved in my face and he said bye and I never saw him again. True story. So, later that day, Hi and Ed meet with Glenn and Dot. Uh, uh, Glenn is Hi's foreman from his steel-making job. Now, they're two eccentric jerks who desire more children. Glenn tells some shit joke, um, and when he told it, it, it reminded me of something that Ian would say, and I just got annoyed. I don't even remember what the joke was, just that I just remember that he's a fucking cuck. Even now talking about it, I'm just I'm red in the face. Uh, with this blanket, I have to throw over me to try and capture some of the sound. Uh, it's already so fucking hot. These are the less than ideal, uh, cheap conditions in which this um, monstrosity of a podcast is formed. Uh, he tells another joke about a Polish guy. Uh, the, the whole joke is uh, the Polish guy walks into a shop and he's holding some shit in his hand. And he says to the shopkeeper, look what I almost stepped in. Fuck off, Ian. I, I know you're hiding some boring secret, like you've got you've got a balloon fetish or something. I know I know something's going on. Wear just wear some shoes. Those pale little hams that you call feet. I'm tired of seeing you boomer feet. But back on track, Glenn and Dot propose having a little swinger session, a little teeny swingaroo. Uh, Swinger Dinger, uh, Winnie the Pooh and his friend Piglet Rabbit and Swinger. But Cage isn't about that life. He's committed to his wife and the stolen boy. He isn't a straight up cock like Ian. Yeah, I'm telling you now, uh, you, you haven't seen him, you haven't met him. I wouldn't recommend either of those things. But Ian would watch someone sleep with his partner. There's no doubt about it. He would probably, you know, someone's just rutting his, his partner and he. He would just sit down, cross his legs, and just crack open a can of Diet Pepsi. Diet Cherry Pepsi, probably, because he's awful. High steals some nappies and cash from a local convenience store. Ed fucks right off as the sirens move in. Uh, Cage is hoofing it here. He doesn't even have to dodge to avoid bullets. He is the Matrix. And I would wager, probably knows way more Kung Fu than international nice guy Keanu Reeves. Cage gets involved in a, a huge chase scene. Uh, it's like an episode of America's Most Wanted. Uh, there's, there's this giddy, wild mashup of banjo and organ and whistling and yodeling that's going on in the background. It's, it's a quite, a, quite a fun, crazy little soundtrack that goes on there. 
um, and Nicolas Cage is just running like he's got infinite stamina, like he's activating a Grand Theft Auto cheat. I mean, I wonder if there's a real life hack for Cage Hog mode, so so I never feel bitter shame after a, a homegrown raw dogging again. At this point, I also noticed that Cage was wearing a Casio calculator watch, right? Uh, now, this is the same watch that I had for a little while until I lost it like Nathan Arizona lost his baby. Um, so note to self, get calculator watch. Functionally speaking, useless. You will never find an opportunity to use the calculator on it. Uh, but they look cool. It's just like Nicolas Cage's moustache. Functionally useless, but looks cool. On the grand scheme of things, it is the watch of a true hogger. Proper throbber, true hogger. A true hogger's proper throbber watch. You know, get your hogs in and also do two plus three, which I've learnt with that watch equals five. So that's good. High has a crisis of confidence given the past day's events. He writes to Ed explaining his decision to leave. He feels that he's going to bring some trouble if he stays along, that troubles are brewing all around him. And that being said, the following day, the biker from his nightmares arrives, meets with Nathan Arizona. He says his name is Leonard Smalls, no relation to Biggie. He's a manhunter who tracks down escaped felons but offers his services to find Nathan Jr. But for $50,000, for tree fitty, $50,000... And if he doesn't pay, that baby's getting sold on the black market. Again, I don't know how much babies go for. Uh, five. Five pounds. But this story, again, is just echoing how I got my cat. Turns out, uh, I'm, I, you have to assume that this is illegal, but uh, it turns out you can get pets on Gumtree. Honestly, people are just giving them away. Uh, in, in the time... This, this podcast takes, you could have gotten six cats, four hounds, a partridge in a pear tree. Genuinely incredible. Uh, £30, if you're wondering. What I paid for, what I paid for my son. Um, you can't put a price on love, but you can put a price on a cat who you love. So Glenn fires high. Uh, I mean, sure, if you want your best worker gone and you want your business to crumble, that's it's your funeral, pal. You do you. Profits can drop, but don't say we didn't warn you. Now, additionally, he's figured out the identity of High and Ed's baby. He knows that it's Nathan Jr. Gail and Evel overhear the conversation and conspire to take Jr. for the cash reward. In all of this ensuing madness, High and Gail scrap. High gets yeeted through a wall. After they scream at each other like feral jackals while spinning around for about a minute, they tie high to a chair and he lets out a glorious cage scream. Like this is this is top tier cage rage screaming. It gives me echoes of the masterful bee scene from the Wicker Man remake. Um, oh, you know the one. This he's not having boys bored of him though. It's it's only only. Stolen boys. Yeah, did you enjoy that? Look at that. It was a there's unexpected cage scream of the week. Maybe that's a new feature we'll start doing now. Um, jingle. Um, you don't you don't have to laugh. 
You don't have to speak, cause here it comes. Unexpected cage scream of the week. Did you, did you like that? Did you like my jingle? Um, if you liked my jingle and the podcast, you can also, if you like, you don't have to, find it in your heart to donate on the coffee page. Uh, it's coffee.com forward slash Daryl Edge, K-O hyphen F-I dot com forward slash D-A-R-R-Y-L-E-D-G-E. For more screams and hilarious insight into Nick Cage films. Yay! But back to the film. Uh, Gail and Neville go cross-country with Junior and only manage to leave him on the road once before renaming him Gail Junior. See, when the kids have got these mushy little minds, they have no idea what's going on. So you can do what you want. Uh, this kid just has an effect on people wanting to bring him into their lives and basically make him Nicolas Cage in toddler form. Um, if Nicolas Cage for some reason appeared at my door, now, not I would not only right would I open it wide before he's even had a chance to knock at the door because my cage sense is always on I'd let him in and I would offer him all of my hidden gold perhaps even a kiss upon the cheek you gotta judge his vibe to be honest else you'd, you'd run the risk of scaring him off like a spooked alley cat uh, cage fact if you shake a bag of dreamies outside your doorstep you have a 1 in 20 chance of a wild alley cage appearing what a summer treat that would be. Uh, okay, I actually scratch what I said earlier. They, they've left Little Cage Jr. in the road twice. I've named him Cage Jr. now because it's the name he warrants. It's the name the baby deserves. Uh, it's, you know, if I wasn't called Daryl, I would like to be, you know, call me Nicholas Cage Jr. Even though there's no Nicholas Cage seniors in my family. That'd be great as well. That'd be fine. Um, then they botch a bank heist. They get all Eiffel 65 on us. I'm talking blue dabba-dee dabba-die because they're covered in blue dye. You see what I did there? I, I, you're thinking of Eiffel 65 now, aren't you? Like, one of the first albums I had on cassette tape. Remember tapes? You remember tapes? Well, Pepperidge Farm remembers. Uh, not to worry, though, as the cage man and Ed arrive on the scene, flailing hogs. Um, and crushing it on the highway, screaming down with their car. But also, so has not Biggie Smalls, who yanks up Tiny Cage. And the black market, as they say, offers a pretty penny for a boy. A hundred doubloons, some have said. Not that I've ever looked into it. Uh, naturally, Biggie and Cage have a ridiculous scrap. Uh, Cage may or may not have been slapped around worse than my hog on a lonely Valentine's night back in 2012. Uh, everyone had gone. It was just me in the house. I had no money, no job. I just watched the Olympics all the time. I watched I watched them rowing, and I watched them go down the rapids, and I watched the archery, and the jazz. You know all the shit ones they have to get out of the way first. Um, the taekwondos. I was just eating dry cornflakes off my chest because I couldn't afford milk. It was a dark time, and I don't like talking about it. Locked myself out of the house twice. Twice that happened. I texted the landlord at the time. The dirty rat landlord. And I said to him, look, really sorry. Really sorry this has happened. Um, I've locked myself out of the house. There's no one else around who lives here who can let me back in. Is there any way you can come and let me in? Or get someone to send a spare key? Just something. And he said, sorry, I'm on holiday in the Caribbean for another week. So that was what happened in my 2012. Around about this time, eight years ago or so, however long it was. Um, in short, 
I was very sad and I got sadder. Now you're wondering, well, how does Cage defeat uh, Evil Mel Gibson? Let me tell you, he activates a whole bloody grenade on Smalls and explodes the anti-hogger, which is uh, a term I've just made up to describe bad people. You're either a hogger or an anti-hogger. And if you don't know which one you are, you're an anti-hogger because you've got no respect. And with Cage beating this anti-hogger, that leads me to uh, that leads me to say that Nick Cage must be proclaimed as the Raw Dog victorious. Um, Etal Plumus Cageus Raw Dog is victorious. That night, after all they've been through, Hi and Ed, Hi, hello, how are you? And Ed return Cage Junior to Nathan Arizona, and they deny the cash reward because despite the abduction and all the bad things they did, they are good people. And I won't hear otherwise, okay? They confess that they took him as they're unable to conceive. And they wonder if after all this, maybe they're not good for each other and they should they should break up. But Nathan Arizona suggests they give it some thought first. Um, now, I honestly thought at this stage, he was just going to give him the kid. And like, you know what? You've been on a right journey. You've earned a boy. Uh, but that didn't happen because that would have been ridiculous. Even in a ridiculous film like this. Uh, high dreams that Gale and Evel return to prison. He dreams about Cage Jr. at Christmas, Glenn being ignored, about Ian slipping on his decking and breaking his ankle, about Cage Jr. being successful at the football. But not the the English one, the, the, the American one, the American football. The, uh, the ball kick, hog, hut, uh, Super Bowl football. And at the end of the dream, he sees him and Ed as an old couple, visited by children and grandchildren, uh, his fantasy hog having produced a genetically incredible lineage of cages for decades to come. And we end there in this hopeful scene of what the world's greatest family gene pool could be. So for me, this film, probably one of the top films in the Coen brothers' repertoire of films, uh, for me, and this is making Cage Rage Nicholas Cage podcast history, this one gets a golden cage from me, no question about it. This is a absolutely must-recommend film. It's a lot of great set pieces, a really wild score with all the banjos and yodeling, like I say. Uh, a lot of it is more style over substance. Sometimes it's a bit incoherent, but um, it more than makes up for it being really quirky, and it's a film that really plays to Nicolas Cage's strengths of um, overacting. Uh, especially as everyone else is doing it. But when I say overacting, I just want you to know that this is the level of acting that all actors should be at. Here's looking at you, uh, Michael Caine. Hello, my name's Nicholas Cage. Ah, I've done a script like Nicholas Cage. It walks a fine line between fantasy and realism, but I think it's all the better for it. And Cage is as perfectly cast here as he is in every film that he's ever been in. So... Obviously, as a Nicolas Cage film, it gets a 10 out of 10, so this is one of the, like, the highest awards that we can possibly give on the show. Uh, even even got some big old uh, praise from Edgar Wright, who described a rated go as only his favourite film. And frequent collaborator Simon Pegg said the film is a living, breathing Looney Tunes cartoon. Now, not only this, right, but one of the, one of the biggest joys for me about watching this film, and this is because... Reluctantly, my beloved other and better half, who I'm sure won't want to be named on this to the to the five people who listen, 
begrudgingly watched a Nicolas Cage film with me. That wasn't National Treasure 1 or 2, that wasn't a Disney film, or something that is voiced like The Croods, which made me very happy, and I'm proud to report, even though she will deny it, she definitely did one of those little breath laughs, you know, the one, like, uh, about three times, at Nicolas Cage jokes, no less, at Nicolas Cage lines, which made me very, very happy. Uh, at the end of the film, um, you know, I was overjoyed with it, I had a great time uh, revisiting this one, and when I asked her for her rating, um, she gave it a, a meh, and a half-hearted shrug, and I have never felt um, so betrayed. Um, however, she is counted by the American Film Institute, who rated this film their 31st funniest film of the century, so their Nick Cage one, relationship zero. And also, fuck you, Ian, on that point. Um, so yeah, go check out this film. Uh, you can rent it on Amazon Prime right now for £3.49, whatever the equivalent is in the currency, wherever you are that you're listening. So unfortunately, it didn't win any awards. It really should have won some awards, but like I say, great film. Uh, great Coen's Brothers film, one of the great films of the 80s. Uh, a lot of farce, a lot of laughs, plenty of heart too. The theme is, you know, the lengths we'll go to to keep a family together. And it's very, very good. And I really bloody enjoyed it as well. So that brings us, uh, so that actually brings us to the end of episode 8 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. Uh, it's a little bit shorter than the other ones. It's one, this is one of those films that you kind of have to watch. He doesn't do too much justice to talk about it and, you know, talk about Ian over it and really just ruin the whole vibe. But, but we end it there. Hopefully this was a nice little bite-sized portion uh, for you to consume. Now, as I said, it still may be the case going forward that these episodes come out on weekends just with being back at work full-time. It's uh, surprisingly difficult to fit in Nicolas Cage films, writing about the films, recording... And um, even though I enjoy doing it, don't get me wrong, but you know, this is not enough time, not the time that Nicolas Cage deserves. And he deserves my all. He deserves my, my everything, for he is the original Bane. Also, uh, for the next two weeks, there will unfortunately uh, be no Cage Rage um, going on a, 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 a I suppose, a... a in unavoidable and forced hiatus, so let's just call this the end of season one, um, I guess, just to make it sound cool and American, purely because uh, changing internet providers and the soonest they can reconnect us is the second week of June, so two weeks without internet, uh, first world problems, so it's time to stock up on board games and conversation starters. Imagine that, having a conversation in this day and age, so... You know, pray for me, keep me in your thoughts, keep me in your hearts and minds. Uh, in the meantime, you can check us out on all the usual social medias, YouTube, search Cage Rage, Nicholas Cage Podcast, uh, give the channel a subscribe, uh, a little view of the videos if you will, really appreciate it, helps the, helps the brand grow. When the new internet arrives, I'll certainly look to upload some of the older episodes on there when we've got some quicker internet connection. Uh, cheers, Richard Branson, your boy's coming. You strike me down now, but I will rise stronger than you can ever imagine. Instagram, at Cage Rage Pod. Twitter, Cage underscore podcast. 
and of course Spotify, where you can find us and stream the uh, eight episodes of season one. Um, if you consider sort of, yeah, sharing it around, telling your friends who you think might like it, that would be lovely as well. And of course the Kofi page that we mentioned earlier. Um, if you listen to this, if you've enjoyed it, that would be bloody lovely of you as well. So with that said, we'll see you in two weeks with episode nine. It'll go by quick, don't worry about it. We'll be back before you know it. But until then, keep on, keep on caging. Uh, bye.